Welcome to the Teachers Podcast in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host, former teacher, life-work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. Hi everyone and thank you for listening. In this episode, I remotely interviewed Hayley Saunders, Deputy Head at the Top Girls Prep School, St Swithins. I was keen to chat to Hayley about what she and her team have put in place for their home learning offering and how they are now supporting their school community. Hayley talks about so much that I'm sure you can relate to. So if you're a teacher or a leader in education, I know there will be so many takeaways for you from the interview and ideas to try with your children. Let's get to the interview. Hayley, thank you so much for joining me on the Teachers Podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. So this is our second attempt. <laughs> we did this last <laughs> night for about two and a half hours. And here we are again yeah. doing our second attempt. Technology has not been on our side with remote podcasting, has it? No, um, it hasn't, no. <laughs> no. So thank you for committing and um, doing it for a second time. It's going to be a really good episode. Um, so thank you for coming onto the podcast. I'm really excited about what you're going to talk about because I think you're going to have a lot of really valuable things to share with teachers, SLT, head teachers about what your school is offering and what you're doing for home learning because obviously that's a hot topic at the moment so do you want to just yeah. start by giving us a backstory of like how you got into teaching and what you're doing in education now just so everyone knows who you are yeah yeah absolutely so I went to grammar school Bournemouth grammar um I'm a local girl for my for my a level uh, a levels and um, came out of there and decided that I never wanted to do anything to do with education. I wanted to just go completely um, and do my own thing and get into work. Um, so I became a recruitment consultant and I taught dance because dance has been a big part of my life um, throughout my childhood for a local dance school. Um, and one evening, my best friend's mum, who's Scottish, um, and says it how it is, definitely. And she kind of sat me down and she said, look, Hayley, um, what are you doing with your life? Uh, this was a year into me kind of trying various jobs. And I said, oh, well, I'm quite happy. And she said, you, you know, you, you're academic, you're an intelligent girl. You're one of the most intelligent girls in, in the group. And you're just bumming around, really. What, what are you going to do with your life? So I think you should go into teaching. So um, I thought about it. And, and she said, you know, what do you enjoy? And I, I love teaching dance. And I thought that's something I find comes quite naturally to me. So I decided to enroll at Winchester University for the B.Ed. and found pretty quickly that I, uh, I was probably ahead of some of the other students because I'd been in front of a class for quite a number of years teaching dance and in front of examiners, encourage young children um, in difficult environments. The classroom didn't phase me really. So I ended up on the accelerated programme. So I completed the four year B.Ed. Um, in three years um, and then went into teaching in 1995. I've done all my training in state school. I've, I've been state educated my whole life. It's, it's done me proud. Um, and, but I found myself applying for all types of jobs and ended up getting a job in a local prep school in Ringwood, um, which was a really small uh, prep school that went from two to 18. So it was quite a broad range boarding school. And it was a real eye opener as an NQT really to go in there, one form entry, the lady I took over from had um, retired there and she'd been there ever since she qualified as a teacher until she was 70. So it was a really interesting setup. Wow, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's really good going for a teacher. <laughs> yeah, really, really good going. And she had lots of stamina and she was, you know, it was the type of place where you could easily just stay there. You know, there wasn't a lot of pressure. Horses used to come by the classroom window. It was really idyllic, really. Um, but I decided being quite an ambitious person and quite young in my career I, I decided that it probably wasn't challenging me enough pretty quickly um, and I missed actually planning with other teachers and, and doing that so I decided to apply for a top prep school actually in Hampshire called Delston Court and I became the head of girls games there 
um, applied for that role. I actually went for a teacher role, um, but I ended up being re-interviewed the following day for a head of department role um, because of my sporty background and absolutely loved that work with some really incredible teachers, um, incredible pupils and parents that were really supportive. And my job was a hard one because it was to put girls games on the map and we ended up uh, really winning nationals and, and doing all kinds of things that were just fantastic. So really, really enjoyed that post. Um, and then in the head there, uh, he's now retired, fantastic head called David Wonsey. Um, he then encouraged me to apply for a deputy headship. And I was 29 at the time, so that was young. <laughs> but he knew I was ambitious and he knew I had kind of leadership skills through the games because I think, you know, that that is one role within a school where you really do learn quite quickly um leadership uh, it's a it's a passionate subject it it involves involves a lot of emotion from parents it evokes a lot of emotion from parents and i think it's a also a subject that i feel you are on show every single week you know yeah. parents can't go can't go into the maths classroom week by week but they can walk in and watch you and how you conduct a team so it was high pressure as well um, you know, it was a strong school with a good sporting background. So I went for a deputy headship in Surrey um, for a, another prep school that was all girls this time, so a little bit different. Um, a, quite a high-flying academic school where I led the curriculum there um, for five years, worked under two heads, which was really good experience. Um, but just, I actually commuted from Bournemouth to Surrey for five years. Um, and there's no doubt about it, it started to take its toll when you're catching a 5.45am train and not getting back till quarter past seven at night. Um, did that for five years and then was lucky enough to get a job at my current school, which is St Swithin's in Winchester. Fantastic, um, large, very successful girls um, prep school and with a senior school attached, which I'd never worked in before. So that was really interesting. Um, seeing the different dynamics although Moore's Court was but it was a bit more separate this was all on the same site which was good um so yeah got got a job there and I'm still there now and I'm currently uh the deputy head academic uh, and also leading high performance learning um as well as the curriculum and assessment there well thank you okay so you've obviously got a lot of experience and um you're in a position where i suppose i suppose all teachers are perhaps feeling the the pressure of what parents are expecting um yeah. but for you it is it is different um because they are fee-paying parents and so they are really expecting something of, of great value and i think that's why it's a really great um conversation we're going to have because um you are looking at it from a slightly different viewpoint um so what did you do when you realized that the schools were likely to close you know what were what were the first steps in that process what did it look like yeah so we've been talking about this we knew it was imminent um because the messages coming coming from government and the, the kind of daily updates that we were getting so we met probably about two weeks before the announcement and we met with our most senior teachers and as a management team to come up with what we were gonna do initially, which we called phase one, if you like, when the announcement came. And we wanted to make sure that teachers were prepared and that we looked really organized and, and good, you know, obviously for, because parents are paying. So um, when the announcement came, uh, we decided all, all the classes had home learning packs that were sent home. And we invested quite heavily in CGP books that done by Pearson because we felt that they were great books uh, from reception to year six. So they gave a really good uh, lot of information for parents with answers at the back. So it would be fairly easy to administer in the short term and also give uh, parents and teachers a common ground when they're when they are having discussions that they understand, you know, turn to page eight and, and there it was and everybody had the text. So we felt without um the parents having to buy too much or invest in too much we did that initially and then what the the teachers did is they supplemented that with lots of other resources um pastoral resources we have a flourish program uh where the, the children have to work on various um amazing attitudes and contributions to the community so we got all the things like that organized for them so they could 
pursue those at home, as well as supplemented it with, uh, well, resources from Classroom Secrets and uh, oh White Rose <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and things like that for them to, to pursue and do in the short term. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that was phase one then. Mm. So what, what was phase two? What, what's that look like? So phase one went really well, um, but it became pretty clear within those kind of two weeks before Easter that, that we were going to have to do something more. We were also probably in the same position as a lot of schools in the fact that some parents had actually decided to take their, their children out earlier than oh, the, right. the closure. So they'd actually been completing the home learning packs and resources perhaps a little bit prematurely. Um, mm -hmm. So it became quite apparent that we were having to accommodate quite a number of different family setups and some of the families were struggling obviously both still working full-time to be able to give that support to the kids um, and wanted some engagement um, I think like any parent and you know I'm the parent of two young, very young children as well having a routine is is absolutely key and I think you know they were struggling with getting them out of bed and kind of started mm. at 8 30 when nine o'clock when they would be usually so the, the feedback we received was we, they were really happy. They were quality resources and packs that we'd sent home, but what next kind of thing. Um, so the, the next phase was obviously um, moving towards the technology um, and how we were going to integrate that and how we were going to design the timetables for the next phase. And we, I came at this thing, obviously with young children, so understanding that that actually technology isn't uh, ideal. It's not something that young children can access independently. Yes. Um, so how are we going to make sure that parents who are working and still expected to work will be able to manage this? And also teachers with young children that they were now homeschooling as well. Um, so we decided to create a program where maths and English we have nine sessions of maths and English of 30 minutes at the moment. So four out of five days, they have maths and English. But we knew we'd have to scale that down just because of the level of videos and resources that would then have to go on digitally, people's different IT knowledge and skills that would take a lot longer to complete various resources. Mm. And also teachers would have to upskill very quickly in uh, a new platform that they hadn't used before. We talked about it and it was part of the longer term plan, but obviously this was um, flung on schools quite quickly. Yeah. Uh, so we decided that we would do maths and English every other day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, followed uh, an online, what we call directed teaching session. We didn't call it live because we felt that um, in the 45 minute sessions that we were giving with 15 minute breaks, structured in between to allow for talk, you know loo breaks a drink and also then get you know technical issues that may happen we'd we'd structured the curriculum from reception to year six for 45 minutes directed sessions and during that session we said to teachers what we thought that would look like and we decided that it would look like an introduction um, a quick summary of the lesson and the main objectives um, the all the work was um designed and put onto OneNote, uh, so that the pupils all had access to OneNote to be able to see what was expected of them in each subject. And the teachers had then that time to kind of go over what the learning objective was. Is there any misunderstandings? Is there anything you'd like me to clarify? Um, for English, it may have looked like the beginning of reading them a story and, and highlighting particular features for them to then continue. Mm. So the idea was that after 20 minutes, the teachers would then come effectively off the screen, but still be within the lesson. And then the children could direct questions via Teams chat to mm. the teacher during that lesson, which they could then pick up in the plenary in the last 10 to 15 minutes. That was complemented with, because what we found initially was that pupils were chatting quite a bit about, well, non-educational things, but also bombarding teachers a little bit with questions all hours of the day. Mm. And I think that's where this is really, really tricky because remote learning is not 24 hours a day. Mm. Um, it is, you know, and yeah. teachers have still got to have their 
PPA time, their administration time, and also breaks from the screen so they don't get screen fatigue. So we basically had to, had to make sure that it was manageable for them as well. We decided that if we had these every other day, 45 minute sessions, then what that would also do is bring in our specialist teachers or our teachers um, that taught other subjects to come in and relieve the teachers of that screen time on the Tuesday and Thursday. So mm. we structured our program around science and what we call discovery, which is very similar to kind of topic work. Um, and yes, they, they then stepped in in the mornings after a form time and taught the lessons in a similar way during that time. Um, and we're in obviously the first week of doing that. And it's been amazing actually, just how quickly the feedback's come in, mm -hmm. um, you know, good and bad, um, where people have started to say, you know, internet capabilities, you know, all those struggles, even the technical issues we've had, you know, learning a new program or perhaps it mm -hmm. not being as, as easy as people would have liked. So we're just letting the dust settle at the moment before we react to anything mm -hmm. um, because we feel a lot of time and effort has gone into devising this program and the silent majority, which is probably 95% of them are, are very, very happy uh, with what we provided. So we just need to be careful that, you know, we're still catering for those families that want to uh, have a bit more of a holistic kind of view on it and a bit more flexibility whilst we've also got those families that really do need their children to be engaged for longer. Mm. Yeah, and I think you have to you have to give things a go, you know, it's only been mm. a few days and you have to um you have to allow everyone time to get used to it, I guess, as well, don't you? Yeah. So you have mentioned um that you know you wanted it to be and manageable for your teachers um, especially if they have young children because you understand that because you also have young children. Are your children two and six? Yes, yeah. yeah so, you, so you really do understand, just like me, what it's like to not be able to do anything. Um, so how did you approach that then? Because I was really pleased to hear that when you, when you, because obviously we had a conversation before, because I'm, I'm not sure that, that all settings are able to kind of accommodate that. No, I think, you know, the, the first thing, you know, I've had a few parents that have really been quite stressed and I know myself um, from having to work from kind of plans that have been sent through through Penelope school and she's not at my school, she's at a different school. It is incredible how distracted, first of all, you are in the home, you know, and, and trying to teach them. And that's me as a teacher. But also, I think probably what, what's happened across the board in education is people have been overly ambitious. And I think, you know, and that's quite right, because you want to provide detailed things you want to look like, you know, a lot of thoughts come into this. But I think in, within 45 minutes, if you allow for the fact that the parents and children have had to upskill to a degree in, in these new platforms, or they've had to adjust to this way of reading plans that are designed for educators, really, and then you're sat down with your 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 daughter or, or son and trying to get through this, it, you can very quickly as a parent feel like a failure. Um, and I think if you, you know, aren't given realistic targets, and, and I've, I've almost reflected on this for the last two days and thought an hour's lesson that would usually be in school that is a lot easier to teach, you almost need to make 20 minutes of that, um, the lesson. Because yeah. then, you know, all the children and the parents, they will have invested that quality time for 20 minutes and then completed the work and felt like they have done something and moved on. Yeah. What you can't have for parents, whether it's state, private, whatever, is them feeling com completely overwhelmed and actually that, you know, that they're not doing a good enough job because that's not great for anybody. And feeling that they need to fill the time nine till three with with learning. I mean, that is too intense yeah. because, you know, in a way it's like one-to-one -one tutoring. I used to tutor children. I used to teach them, um, you know, if they were in year four and they were doing fractions and they, they were behind in that, I'd teach them year two, year three and year five in one go. Yeah. yeah you know, if they, if they could yeah. tick it up. And I think it's, it is really intense, isn't it? Um, mm. so obviously, you've, you've mentioned that, you know, you kind of have... Uh, an understanding of a lot of the parents um, and yeah. the children who go to your school. But what about the teachers um, in your school who 
have young children you know how have you sort of managed that situation yeah I mean I have heard of schools that have said that any children of not school age so reception and under although I would argue reception is still also a, a key year that they haven't asked those staff to go in on the staff rate of the key workers mm. um, just mainly for the reason that it, it is very hard for them to be independent you know um, it, it's a bit easier now if Penelope at least she can dress herself she can feed herself if she's hungry you know and grab a snack that's very different with a two-year-old running around yes. um, so I th- I think, you know, that seems a sensible approach. I think uh, we've also had staff that obviously can't come in on the rotor because they have vulnerable people at home. They have health conditions that affect that. Um, So what we've done is created a rotor of one in four weeks. And, And the way we went behind the thinking of that is that if one of our team got ill, ill with the 14 day isolation period, uh, plus a week's grace, they would then be back in school, which means our teams would be pretty solid in looking after the key worker children. Mm-hmm. Um, that's worked really well, actually. And we've had a dynamic, we made sure those teams had lots of different people from different areas of the school. So we had an EYFS uh, member of staff, a teaching assistant, a specialist member of staff that could perhaps take an art session or something with those children. And then, you know, teachers maybe in the upper end of the school and and the lower end of the school as well. So that's worked really well. And so far has been well staffed. Um, In fact, probably overstaffed. So again, another problem for leaderships is actually assessing how many children Mm -hmm. that you've got in and what is a safe ratio of teachers to be in. Is it absolutely necessary? Um, we so we've we've, that's how we've done with the in-school program with the people running the remote learning outside and and, and doing the the live teaching we have created flexibility for them so what we did was we prioritized maths English and science and I I don't like using the word priority because I believe that all subjects have their place but I think I certainly as a parent would worry most about those subjects perhaps Mm -hmm. and also I feel that parents can teach music sing a song play yes, games with yes. their kids uh, do some sports so actually those subjects will look very different to what they do in the classroom they may be in the forest for a walk or you know they may be doing singing karaoke um my voice is awful so that would never be me um but yeah, <laughs> they might be doing something musical in the afternoon to give them some downtime so what we've done is we've prioritized those or, or made sure that those mornings were compulsory so we said to parents what seemed to be the struggle is the early morning getting them started so we we put a form time on at 8 30 a chance to just have a chat with their friends and their form tutor how we're doing go over the learning for the day then we prioritized good old joe wicks or mm-hmm, ot yeah. or mr motivator i think it's now in the in the running so we prioritized them from um eight uh nine o'clock till nine thirty. that yeah. gives the teachers a bit of a break they can you know have their breakfast or possibly see to their own kids and then the learning um starts at 9 45 in 45 minute sessions say to 10 30 and then a 15 minute break to the next one so maths english science are in the mornings with the discovery as well that complements that which is kind of your humanities now, what we said to parents is that at 12, there will just be a registration in the morning and at 12.30, they're very welcome to just, you know, if they want to go for a nice long walk, they want to get out on the bikes or whatever they want to do, um, obviously safely in the circumstances as a family or play board games inside, that we wouldn't um, specify that they had to be in attendance for the afternoon. So we had specialist teachers like our music teachers, our art teachers, our sports teachers available for directed lessons in the afternoon for all year groups um, on a rotor. But if they didn't want to check into that, then they don't have to. Um, we've also had things like for the younger years, like a story time with mm-hmm. the lower prep leader, um, with some of members of senior leadership. I'm leaving year three tomorrow. Um, and we're, we're hoping that that will be a nice end to their day if they want to check in. Um, you know, competing with David Williams's worst children is. Uh, tough for anybody <laughs> they're pretty yeah. good yeah Hattie's <laughs> teacher just sends talk story time every day but it is a pre-recorded yeah. video which I actually really appreciate because 
um, the the stuff used to come through on Google Classroom, like random, randomly, really, like you didn't know what was going to happen and you felt, oh, should I do it? And I've kind of said to her, do you know what? I'm wherever a day behind you because I want to know yeah. what it is and I pack it in to, to an yeah. hour when I know I've got time to do it. I'm like, right, is this, is this, and story time. <laughs> and then yeah. she can go off and do a thing and then and we can worry about the baby. Um, it's so difficult, isn't it? Um, it really is. So, so those teachers that you have um, when they're delivering a lesson in the morning, um, how do they? I mean, do they do they work it possibly with the partners? You know, if they've got if they've got young children. Yeah. Well, what we've done is we've done it in the mornings, and then up to. I mean, we are quite lucky at St Stephen's because the majority of the staff haven't got children actually, or younger mm-hmm. children. So that does make it slightly easier because their their children are a bit more independent. But what it means is is that although they're quite engaged in the morning, in those in the afternoons they're free. So if they pick up their own homeschooling with their kids in the mm-hmm. afternoon. Um, I mean, it's full on and I'm in that world, so I totally get it. But, you know, if they're they're then picking up those things in the afternoon, preparing resources and doing some of the marking from those sessions, Mm. they are not on screen the next day, apart from the form time. So our maths and English teachers have Tuesday as a break. So, you know, if they want, if you wanted to be, I mean, and I've done this a couple of times where it just hasn't happened. You know, my kids have had a double dosage of um, home learning with me, um, much to their (laughs) disappointment. Um, But they had a day off. (laughs) They had had a day where they could just play because it was just not happening. So I think, you know, you've got to, you've got to be flexible. And I think in all areas, and I think look after your teachers as well, look after your parents you know this is a it's a highly stressful situation and actually reactive leadership is it's not the time for that at the moment you know people are going to be highly emotional um that they're on a roller coaster Mm -hmm. and I think it's just really important to be there for the staff support them um make them understand why it's been structured the way it has and actually our teachers are very much on board and I, I was actually scaling back some of the the teaching because we were going to go for maths and English every day and I have heard of some schools going for just a normal timetable oh, I think I, just, I could not imagine and she, she's no. not there yet but I would not like that no and I think it's very structured it's I, I've heard that it's difficult to manage both for the teachers and the parents I think you need to give that flexibility and and us having the afternoons where the children are I mean you know we've got a, sing, a fantastic singing teacher who you know will come in and teach to reception and teach to year one and year two we've got a music teacher that comes in we've got an art teacher who's kind of doing drawing on the screen and you know just simple things but I think the other massive tip that I've got is what you don't want is is parents to be panicking they haven't got ingredients for a recipe or they haven't got this because again it just it just makes them feel that they're inadequate and and haven't got these things and you know you can't even get flour at the moment so it's just you (laughs) this is it and there's oh oh yeah let's do baking Mm, do we really have to because it's really hard to get flour and I actually want to make Yorkshire puddings yeah (laughs) it's difficult and I think but you know what? Every day is a new day and, and we have yeah. those days. And I think we've all started out with really high expectations and every week it just gets a little bit lower and it's OK. Because yeah. <laughs> when we started before the Easter holidays, we were doing school every day. I don't know why, because Hattie only went to, to nursery school four days, <laughs> but we did it every day. So after the whole and then I was like, oh, in the holidays, she's going to. Yeah, we're going to carry it on. And then when we got to the holidays, like, no, we're really not. We are not carrying it on. And and I'm glad really because I've learned a lot about her um, Mm. because she's been bored and she has developed her sort of imagination and uh, imaginative play. And I actually think this has been a really good good thing for her. And starting back now, she didn't do school on Mondays. So we don't do school on Mondays because it's just, it's too too stressful too much I think you know in our in a kind of an odd day I don't I don't like saying that but in, you know we didn't have soft play to just kind of go out and build all that uh, that energy off those things no. didn't exist and I know my mum and dad you know they'd get on with their work and it was like you, you're you're on your own and I yeah. think I think that we have perhaps slightly shifted in our culture that 
we feel that we have to be our, our kids entertainers all the yes. time as yes. well as work full time and you know even society has shifted now you've possibly got two working parents instead of one um and that's creates a different dynamic in the family so i think it's okay for kids to be bored um and i think we've forgotten that sometimes and actually have to occupy themselves and it's a really valuable life skill as well to be able to occupy yourself and be independent um mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, that's something that, that has definitely good come out of this, you know, for my own children as well. And actually that you're just not on demand 24-7, um, although it still feels like it. <laughs> well, this is just a different kind of demand, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so you've obviously, um, you've already talked about uh, providing provision for the key work children, um, mm. of children at your school. Um, how do you, th this is this is a really difficult one. Um, but how do you make sure that the children stay happy and calm? Um, because yeah. I can only imagine how, how the parents are feeling, never mind the children, about mm. even coming into school and, and your staff as well. Yeah, I think we, what we've done is, you know, we, don't, we haven't talked a lot about it, but we also haven't, you know, avoided the conversation. But we've just had kids coming in. We've just tried to create some kind of structure for them with our familiar faces and actually... It, it's been really great we've just had fun um we've got them outside um we've got them you know playing you know it's just been brilliant i think i think you've just got to again it, it's about not being too hard on yourselves when you're in school and demanding too much of those teachers because obviously they're in for that day they may be going back to their remote learning in front of the screen or in our situation if they're on the rotor and they're also expected to be on the screen they may be doing both within that school day um, so I think you've got to be really mindful of that that you know and I, I, I looked at my um, screen level you know you get it on your your phone and you get it on your iPad and it tells you and it was quite alarming how long I spent on yes. the screen last week and yeah. I think everybody's feeling that um, and you know we talk about well-being but but are we actually are we actually encouraging our staff to to get out for the afternoon and, and you know it can be easy as a leader to just expect them to always be there answering those those emails straight away and yet that's not the case in school we would have meetings we would have assemblies to take we would have school trips to administer so there would be times when there wouldn't be an instant response and i think we need to be mindful of that yeah yeah it's almost like well you know you're not available to me you're not working but yeah we need to trust teachers to apportion time to do that work just as we do normally because at the end of the day yeah. they can't get all the work done before school um ends so they have to choose when they do that and, and be trusted in that anyway don't they to do the math yeah. normally oh you have to trust your staff like that's you, you know this is a situation where you, there is so much trust around what's going on but i think what's been really good about what we've done is because we've had the one note as well to supplement uh, and to complement the the learning with with the screen time if it does fail or there is a technical issue the parents and the and the children can go to that one note and see the task there and it's detailed enough with some videos as well um of the directed teaching that they can pick it up you know mm -hmm. so it, it's kind of covered all areas because you know what happens if a teacher goes sick what happens if a child goes sick there's going to be a cut it's not going to be ideal there's still going to be cover like they would usually um, and we've got a kind of teachers that aren't involved in the remote learning that could step in. But I think I think what's really difficult is if you're in school managing stressful situations and there's plenty of them, you, you're not doing that in front of an audience. Yes. And, you know, now we are opening um, our teaching and that's nothing to be scared of because they do a really, really good job. But I think it's it's quite intimidating for teachers to suddenly be in a room of possibly 18 20 children and their parents um yes. and, and you don't necessarily know which parents are there and and i think as a society we've become so critical it, it you know in the way that the media kind of um you know is always on the tail of teachers or the government yeah we, we've kind of done that to everybody um, yeah. and i think that's one of the fears of teachers definitely and that would be my fear is not necessarily that I don't think I'm doing a good job, but I feel that people only want to comment on the bits they don't like. Yeah, uh, absolutely. 
or, or something could be taken the wrong way and taken out of context and then yeah. used against me and and that is really difficult um mm. so what are your thoughts then around I mean why did you decide to go for live teaching rather than sort of recorded teaching you know did you weigh that up yeah we've done both actually so we've still got some videos and and so so because of the every other day structure on the tuesday there is kind of independent learning time structured for those subjects in math and english so they can go on they can watch videos they can engage with different things you know and there's some fantastic resources online already um you know schools have really jumped jumped on the bandwagon so i've encouraged teachers to use some of that uh white rose have just launched a fantastic online videos there's bbc there's so many online videos that you could access as well to complement what you're trying to teach as you would in the classroom so i think it's really important that we don't don't get worried about that um that it's okay um there's some really good read writing you know phonics videos that are out there that are only 10 minutes and so it's okay for us to as we would usually use other resources in that way um and i think if you balance it with some directed teaching and some non-directed teaching, you've catered for everything and you've also given that flexibility in the timetable. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so what are you doing with your TAs? So our teaching assistants, um, so we have furloughed some of our teaching assistants, um, as I know some schools have either because they can't work because they have got situations at home or personal circumstances or because we have had to make sure that we ha are just using those skeleton staff as much as possible. But again, that's a really tricky one because they're still part of our school community. Who's, who's looking after them? Who's, you know, how, as, as nice as it may be to, to, to be furloughed and being paid and not being part of, of this kind of quite stressful situation at times, I think also you need to look after them because, you know, they're used to being in school that it's a, it's a people environment and they're used to that interaction and people, you know they thrive in that environment so how are we checking in on those but the tas that we have uh, used is um we've got our elsa still working we've got some of our more um specialized teaching assistants if you like that have certain responsibilities working with um some of our most vulnerable children or our children that need extra support and our senko is organizing that so we are picking up uh, pupils that or families that are perhaps struggling already and making sure that they have a check-in with one of those uh, TAs. We've also used them in, in the early years with reading and taking reading groups, getting small children just engaged on the screen for say 15 minutes with the TA listening to taking a guided reading session which has worked really well. Um, so we've kind of prioritised our reading and phonics and our handwriting as well in the early years because those are kind of the key skills that you just don't want to well first of all you, you want to make sure they're taught really well um because mm. bad habits can evolve from that yeah. um so and and they're the things that parents will struggle with you know phonics is you know my husband said to me what's a phonic you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, they're gonna struggle with that you know it's these sounds weren't around 30 years ago you know we just had letterland or what it whatever it, whatever it was and it was you know it's, it's very different now yeah, you see, my husband's really embracing it, but then you know he's the CTO at Glassman Secret, so he just he just see it a lot, and he's like, and he's like, I'm saying it right, I'm saying it right. I'm like, yeah, he knows them now. We know, well, he knows set set one of the rewriting. <laughs> um, so it's interesting that you furloughed tears, and that's because as a school, you're actually a business, isn't it? And um, yes, yeah. I assume that it'd probably be similar um, in academies, whereas um, I'm assuming this actually, but um, say in a state school, a yeah. TA might not necessarily be involved or may be involved in, in going into schools um, yeah. on a basis. But it's interesting how you say, you know, they're not part of the community. And I suppose that's that's a key difference, actually, because they can't work, they can't be part of it. Whereas no. a TA yeah. in a state school is not furloughed, maybe not as involved, but can be part of the community in a, in a different yes. way because they're not separated yeah you're not allowed to talk any work so that's a check-in just to see how they are really you know and yeah. uh, are you okay and what you've been up to and to hear all the all the, the gardening they've been doing and, and <laughs> things like yeah. that is a, you know <laughs> but it's it's 
you know everybody works very hard in the school so I think you know you have to as a business yeah of course you have to make sensible decisions to to make sure it's sustainable as well um because ultimately you know some independent schools are gonna are gonna suffer in this crisis there's no doubt about it because if families have lost an income one of the first things that will go is is that so um you know it's protecting that as well because you know they are responsible businesses that are responsible for lots of staff and you know want to behave in the right way and protect jobs so it's really important that that you do that but also make sure that the quality of education that's left um is good enough and and in some ways better than than what's being offered elsewhere yeah and i I think you know that is a key thing so how do you make your program different to others that are being offered because it has to be really doesn't it it does i think what we're doing is we're making it so personalized you know they they are they are buying into our teachers that are really skilled practitioners anyway um and they are buying into our pastoral programs making sure that we are giving that individualized attention i had a couple of teachers even today email me and offer to they, they've noticed a couple of the girls hadn't checked in for some of the sessions are a bit concerned about that so they're going to bring the parents and offer them some extra support there you know we're we're really monitoring this situation and, and what worries me about kind of um the public sector is is how many children are slipping through the net there is no accountability there is no way of of tracking what's going on in the home um for those schools and i think so we are really still giving that personalized in individual attention to those children and making sure that we know where they are what they're doing and if they are out on a family walk then that's brilliant that's fine we're not making parents feel guilty about that but but also that you know they are attending some of those morning sessions that we expect them to be in unless there's a technical difficulty Uh, but I also think um you know with with the type of school that you're at you probably have uh, quite a good relationship with the parents anyway um which is which is helpful they're they're on board with you and they're they're supporting you aren't they um yeah so which which you can absolutely have um you know in state schools but it's not as blanket I guess um, no. So if you had to sort of just choose the three most important things that you thought was important to do during this time, during this learning period, what would you say that they are? Well, you cannot underestimate reading. You know, reading is the heart of education. If a child can't read, if they can't, they can't educate themselves, they can't learn. So I think for parents, you know, at the very least make sure you're reading your book daily or doing some little spellings and phonics with your with your with your child I think that's really important um the second thing you can't go wrong with times tables now I am pretty old school with this you know my my dad uh <laughs> drummed them into me he, he made it competitive you know he, he based it around food so I was always competing with my sister for chocolate or whatever it was <laughs> sweets in my case but yeah you know he he made it fun and competitive and I think times tables is absolutely important because once they're they're learnt and in your long-term memory they they rarely go away I still remember all my maths so you know and you use them so much in maths you don't realize it sometimes it's I just think times tables are just so important so at the very least do your daily reading start to tackle some of those times tables even year one in reception can start to learn about the two times tables and you know doubling things like that so it's really good for them and you can find apps for that as well which is yeah absolutely yourself yeah yeah and I think you can make that fairly fun you know and and they enjoy it and you can sing it and do all kinds of those kinesthetic ways to help you know really embed them um and the third thing I suppose is is something that I've kind of learned from a parent point of view and and you know I'm so everyone's busy you know we live a really fast-paced life now where you know learning and work is almost 24 hours or could be if you allowed it to be and I think one of the things I've learned in all this is actually just taking some breathing space and doing the things I used to do with my parents which is you know play snakes and ladders and play uno and you know all those kind of board games that I just would never have had the opportunity to play with my kids if if I was still commuting and, and at school for that 
the time that I'm at work. So I think I'd really encourage families to just, you know, embrace that and, and spend, even if you play a game a day, even snap, you know, it's, an, it's, it's such a fun thing to do with your kids. And I mean, I was watching Rich House, Poor House the other day and they, you know, they got out, they made some Skittles out of plastic bottles and we're just like lobbing them in the lounge. And I think, wow, that's just, you know, when you're forced into a situation where you've got to be flexible and, and think about what resources you've got within the house, I think everyone could find something fun to do, um, you know. <laughs> I, I think you're completely right. And, and I, it's funny how you, you talked about your own childhood and I feel like I've gone back to that as well. So I feel like, I don't know why, but um, ever since Hattie started um school and obviously she's she's only in nursery class in the school holidays I feel like I've been trying to recapture my school holidays which I absolutely adored yeah. but, and I could never work out what it was but I feel like over the last two weeks at Easter where you could say I haven't ignored her but you could say I've ignored her and um, <laughs> but I've that I've seen her be like me in those yeah. school holidays and I'm like oh my word that's what it is you just need to be at home and yeah. it made me think about some things and, and you know, things that people are trying, one, what we're going to do tomorrow morning, even though it is school, we'll do an hour of school and we don't have any meetings up until lunchtime. So yeah. we've decided that we're going to choose a film that we've never watched before from Disney Plus. Yeah. And then we've got <laughs> some popcorn and we're going to make it into a cinema. And I think my mum did that quite a lot. And we've yeah. never done that because we would take them to the cinema because mm. we can afford to do that but my mum that mm. would have been a big hassle she didn't drive and um, it would have been without my dad because he'd have been at work and and so she made it special and I think we've lost that and yeah. if we can just recapture that in this time that would be something really special you know I think it's really important you know my kids were outside today and they were building dens and you know playing with their dollies and you know get reading to each other all the wrong things but it was brilliant they'd made it out of the slide and they came in they were like mom can I can I borrow the the pillows and the blankets and you know primrose my daughter my youngest daughter was a baby and she was playing mums and dads and it's just yeah. it's just cute you know it's just stuff that that I think they don't have as much time for now yeah I, I agree it is so important and um, funnily enough I had to a few days ago made a den out of um so we, we have a small parasol that you have, you know, above the, um, above a table. Um, but yeah. we bought a new one. So it kind of like put that on the ground out of the way. Well, she was like, oh, it's a tent. But she didn't like the fact that it didn't have sides. So then she went around, she got the box from the new parasol and then she was really frustrated. And then, and then she took all the chairs. And then by the end of it, we had all the stuff in the garden on the grass and we couldn't put anything back because you were right. not touch anything from the den and she's going mommy it's my piece and I'm like oh okay <laughs> but you know it's um I just think it's a really a really good time yes to, yeah to do something new yeah yeah I think you've got to take the positives in the situation there's so there's so many negatives at the moment um you know going around and I think you know we've got to we've got to take the positives from from the situation as much as possible yeah Okay, um, so what do you think are the biggest challenges facing schools, parents or children at the moment? I think, you know, there, the longer this goes on, the, the more difficult it's going to be perhaps to step up the learning, you know, because we, we've probably all got a little bit more comfortable, you know. Um, you know, I usually go into school fully, you know, makeup, you know, outfits, you know, it's... it's um, you know I've, I've laid it all out the night before and I think you know obviously we're not carting books back and forth so I think you know to get back into the routine of all the other things that happen during the school day the assemblies to prepare for the the trips the residentials all those things obviously have stopped um in this situation so I think it's it's going to take some time to to kind of make sure that everybody's happy and and stepping up you know uh, back into the school system and I think you know kids are probably going to be quite tired it's almost going to be like a prolonged summer holiday you know where they, yes. they they've done very different things um and we expect a lot of them that you know there's there's a it's rigorous it's and I think even in any school these days there's a lot that's expected of kids 
And I think, you know, they're pulled in lots of different directions. So it's good. we're going to have to make sure that they're eased in and there's a transition period for teachers, parents, you know, and, and the pupils, you know, that they, they really are given a bit of leeway to, to build their stamina up again to, to how exhausting school is when it's all singing and all dancing and going yeah. there. So I think that's going to be tricky. I think, you know, obviously there's going to be gaps in the learning and the children will have experienced different things at home. Um, So I think we're going to have to be really mindful of that. And again, make sure that we can identify those those gaps in learning pretty quickly and and bridge them as quickly as possible. So those um, families don't feel, you know, that they've they've done anything wrong. I think that's going to have to be really important as well, because inevitably in this situation, there will have been parents that have tried to teach their kids long multiplication and it's totally wrong and it's how they did it in their day and there's going to be all those kind of uh issues that perhaps we're going to have to try and undo or just work with initially um so yeah that's going to be quite challenging um i think you know with with any crisis obviously you know a lot of us could lose people uh we're going to be dealing with some Mm. perhaps grief in school uh that we've not experienced before and and you know this is one of the real things with leadership today is on leaders today is that doesn't matter how experienced you are doesn't matter how long you've been in education nobody could have prepared for this so uh-huh. it's a real case of being a team and actually putting your heads together um you know particularly with our sector which is usually quite competitive you know with our local schools we have been really building bridges with other schools and making sure that that we're sharing best practice and helping each other out really important um we've personally put all our remote learning guidelines and safeguarding guidelines which is something i hadn't mentioned yet because that's created all kinds of issues you know you've got people that will always try and capitalize on this situation so we've had more kind of attempts at spyware and hacking into the it systems that are it um, a fantastic IT team have been trying to deal with and I think you know there's there's all that as well making sure that children haven't well we won't know but maybe they have seen things that they they shouldn't have and you know they're maybe safeguarding and pastoral issues to pick up there as well to protect them um, and it may you know it's comp- probably will be completely unintentional but you know when you've got everybody in a household and you've perhaps got six-year-olds in with 16-year-olds who are you know, sharing devices, uh, perhaps, and things are left yeah. open accidentally, anything, anything could happen. So I think we're going to have to be really uh, non-judgmental yeah. uh, in that situation and make sure that we're as supportive to our families as, as possible. Mm. When do you think schools will return? I think it's probably going to be in the second half of the summer term. Um, I hope so, because I write the timetable <laughs> and try to write and the whole academic timetable for the year on my own is going to be a challenge. We've also got a new head coming in in September. So, so that is going to be quite a challenge because it involves such a lot of communication and weeks worth of work. And, you know, arguably, arguably is, is one of the most important events in any school calendar to get the timetable right for the academic year so yeah I hope it's going to be before the summer holidays um but if it's not um that uh, you know I, I can't see it being before half term personally no no and I, and I, I wonder whether the government are going to phase it as well yes i mean there has been talk about sending primary back first hasn't there as well mm. um mm. But, but i do think uh, you know the government have invested in um longer programs of learning if you if you look around with the bbc and, and the oak academy you know they're not going to be doing it for a few weeks that that's not what they've said that they're doing um no. so yeah it's obviously confusion at the moment but you have to wonder how much is um the media and and how much is a real thing um yeah okay okay do you foresee any future changes being made in education then as a result of everyone learning at home currently well i think one of the interesting things about schools and education is actually they are quite inflexible for for working work i mean i'm talking from a mum perspective but they are quite inflexible organizations and obviously in today's kind of culture 
there's pressure on companies now to, to think of different ways of working and different yeah. ways of accommodating employees. And you see some of the best firms really, you know, trust having that mutual trust with their employees. Obviously, there are some downsides to that, but there are, you know, on the whole, they're, they're trying to encourage this culture of flexibility. And it's something that, um, you know, I, when I was um, pregnant with my second daughter, St. Swithin's were incredible. They actually gave me flexible working as a senior manager, which is absolutely unheard of because, you know, obviously mm. it's quite key that I'm in school looking at yeah. curriculum and assessments. So I was incredibly grateful for that. And it was quite, you know, in, in, it was quite revolutionary, really. I've never really had that kind of empathy as a working mother before. I think it would, I think that, you know, part-time teachers, there's, oh, they often get a raw deal. People say, oh, you know, they don't communicate or the, the teaching's not as good. But I met a, a guy who's being ahead part-time uh, the other day. And I mean, he's probably got it right. You know, he's got two days in school um, trying to turn it around with, with the other head. who It's a male and female team. And he's running his own business on the other three days. And I wonder that the, the stamina that is needed now to manage schools and what's being thrown at them, um, mm -hmm. particularly currently, I think that may be the way, you know, that actually people are able to get some downtime, get some time away from the job um, to, to be with their families and have some quality time and then go back fresh. I think that taboo could possibly or that misconception about part-time workers, because actually in my experience, you end up just doing the work anyway, just in a different way. Um. <laughs> this, this is it, you know, you, do, yeah, you end up doing yeah. full-time hours. Um. Yeah, but just get, getting paid part-time, you just pick it up in the evenings when the kids are in bed or whatever. So I think, you know, this will have certainly opened leaders' eyes. And I mean, it was interesting, wasn't it, to, listening to the Royals talk about the fact that, you know, the fact that the whole country has managed to stay at home with some companies operating quite effectively with that setup. Um, I mean, teaching is a bit different because it, it, it will never be replaced by robots because of the very nature of the job and how much interaction and socializing there is. But I feel, you know, he was saying that, that it does make you question that are we just polluting the world unnecessarily with all the commuting and, and is there, is there, a question that some people could work from home one day a week um and with you know with leadership or, uh, you know obviously you're very parent facing and staff facing and children facing but you know when i'm timetabling i'm not facing anyone uh you know i'm locked in a room with a with a packet of haribo and you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's me and the computer um but obviously that's just in my role but possibly i don't know there could be scope for that yeah and I think across a lot of sectors there's definitely the ability to work from home and I mean it always confuses me when when we talk about this because I just think well we don't want to work from home anymore but we I mean and I don't mean anymore I mean any more than we do so mm. actually most of our staff only come into the office well they need to come into the office basically two days a week and the rest yeah. they work from home so to me it's so normal yeah. that, that that we're doing this. I mean, you know, I, I do think in the lockdown, it's not ideal. It's difficult because no. we've been doing this five weeks now. Everyone's been working from home and communication does get missed. And not only are we battling with that, some people having to change their hours, work at different times to accommodate the children, which we, we really want to do. But then it's hard to kind of bring everyone together at the right time. and and the concentration so but yeah, yeah it, is, it is really interesting because to me it's a no-brainer and and I wanted to make sure that as many people as possible could have that flexibility if yeah. if it worked for their role and so we've and we've yeah. always done it um but yeah, yeah I do think it could be afforded to a, a lot more uh, roles yeah and I think you know you're always going to get that that kind you know it will suit more some roles more than others and then you are going to get people saying is that fair and I think actually that's one of the things that has come up in in this whole crisis is that people have been saying you know is this fair that some people are in some people aren't some people have got perhaps less of a teaching timetable than others because they're course subjects or form tutors and I think fairness 
I mean, this is just my personal opinion, but fairness in a crisis goes out the window, I'm afraid. It's, it's a time for cohesion and community spirit. And if those people can, they should step up. Yes. Um, and if they, if they can help or support others in any way, that's what being a team is. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it, it's hard because I remember when I didn't have young children, my husband and I went out for a meal and, and that family walked in and that family's now us, you know, and we are that family that, 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 that create the havoc in the restaurant when they're on date night. And, you know, I think you just don't get it sometimes, you know, that in, until you're in it and, and it's yeah. tough. And, and like you say, having been home for five weeks, the, the honeymoon period has, has well and truly, you know, um, gone. And yeah. I think, it's quite a different setup trying to homework with two kids running around yes. screaming and demanding your time than, than in a normal situation where this is planned, where they're at school and you've actually have got some time, yeah. uh, quiet time yeah. to concentrate. Yeah. And that's what we're finding because as much as we used to homework, we're not used to homeworking with all our children at home. Yeah. Um, you know, we work at home to be, to have that time to crack on with something and then you know you can have all your meetings in the office um okay yeah. last two questions then who's your favorite okay. teacher in school and why so i had a great teacher called mr hawker and he was the reason why he was great is he was an english teacher and he was just quite out there and really inspirational and probably quite controversial i don't think he was actually that liked by the teaching team i'm just reading between the liners as a spotty teenager but i think he was great you know he showed up we actually did an english project at gcse on pretty woman and he showed us that film at like 15 years old and it was quite it was quite an eye-opener um, yeah you know we were in an all-girls school and it was all about um how the messages that came through that the quite sexist messages that came through in that film about gender and and how you know there was a successful man and all of these things that we explored and it was an incredibly interesting um synopsis and analysis of of, of it um compared to you know some of some old literature as well so we did quite a big study on old time adverts and and then this film and and the messages that were coming through and obviously you know, I'm in a school now that is very empowering for girls and we want them to be whatever they want to be, whether that's really girly or whether they're footballers, whatever it is, we want them to achieve their dreams and not have a, a ceiling on that. Um, so I think it, it really resonated with me and I respected him. For, I thought he was brave and I always love a brave teacher. Mm. I think, you know, one thing that makes a class exciting is those risk takers that will do that science experiment that could result in you know slime everywhere all over the laboratory but you know that's kind of what makes school fun yeah. and um you know those those um <laughs> the, the laboratory sorry those 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 um teachers those wacky teachers that we can all relate to and know are brilliant you know yeah yeah okay um what did you want to be when you grew up uh, what did I want to be? I, well, I, it was actually when I went in my younger days, I wanted to be a ballerina. That was never going to happen. Um, unfortunately, I reached puberty far too early and, and liked Haribo too much. So it, I was never <laughs> going to have the frame that was going to make me dainty. Um, I can dance, but I was probably more suited to street dance where I was flunging around a group of people than than a, than a ballet but um yeah. I did my best I didn't do too bad but I was um <laughs> I was the pod I was the podgy one <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much you've ended on a funny note and um <laughs> it's just been really lovely to talk to you and um thank you for sharing everything that you're doing in school you know you're offering you're offering a lot to to those children and the parents you've thought about the whole thing and I think I think it's gonna be really useful for people to uh, listen and, and take things away um, and it might be that there might just be the odd thing that they think yeah I can I can take that and we can move forward and one thing that I find really interesting is that you're still iterating it and I think there is kind of a thought um, oh well we're closed, schools are closed now so we can't do anything and that's not true um, no, actually no. you can you can continue to improve what your offering is you know if that's what you want to yeah. do 
Um, yeah, and we're going to review it at the end of next week. So we're going to do two weeks in. We're going to review it from teacher's perspective and parent's perspective. And then we'll see if there's any adaptions that can be made that are, that are real, that are going to influence the learning. You know, that's the main thing. And also make sure that the anxiety levels and, the, and we're, we're giving the, the kids and the families the best chance of achieving their potential during the time. Um, and if it, you know, it doesn't work out, but if, if anybody wants, I'd speak to our marketing team today. And if anybody wants to look at our timetables or remote learning guidelines, they're going to be on the website. So they so do oh, go and have a look. That would be brilliant. Thank you. And obviously everything that we've talked about and any resources that you've got, then we'll make sure that they're in the show notes for the podcast. Mm. But thank you so I, I, much. That's all right. That's all right. I think it's so important to be um, professionally generous in this time. Um, yes. You know, we all need to pull together. So anything I can do to help or um, that helps other people, then yeah, feel free to contact me <laughs> or Thank um, you. chat about it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. What was so refreshing about chatting with Haley was her understanding of her colleagues' circumstances as they match her own. It's easy for us to imagine our teachers working from home perhaps delivering lessons and forget that they may have children of their own to look after too and maybe they're not on demand as we need them. As teachers we all naturally worry about our own children's education too and so for the whole world right now it's a serious juggling act and I want you to know that I'm feeling that pressure too. I hope that you're finding my podcast episodes useful during the lockdown. Sometimes you just need to hear it from someone else in the same situation as you. Hayley's contact details are in the show notes and I'd encourage you to get in touch with her if you have any questions. If it's the first time that you're listening to the Teachers Podcast, then remember to subscribe and do explore the other episodes as I've had some truly inspirational and knowledgeable guests. It's a really great time to tap into some free CPD. And if you want to request that someone is on the podcast, then you can let us know in our Facebook group called The Teachers Podcast Community. I've recently set up a new Facebook page called The Teachers Podcast, so it'd be great if you could follow us on there as well. I'd also really appreciate it if you could leave a review on whichever platform you listen to podcasts on. See you next week. Thank you for listening. The Teachers Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets, a provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.